Welcome to the Plant Witch Podcast, where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, owner of the Rebel Herbalist, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? This week, I want to talk about stories and how, as humans, the technology of story is the way we orient our lives. I was talking with a really dear friend, really my best friend this morning, about how we find a compass point when the world feels so full of despair and hopelessness and when we don't carry the same story as our life narrative as the story we find ourselves in in our culture or our family or our religion when there's a tension between what we feel our life story is and the larger story in which we find ourselves. How do we find our way through? How do we set our compass? There's this idea of a meta-narrative, sort of the story that holds all stories. You could also look at this as cosmology the story of the cosmos coming to life and the consciousness imbued in in matter, how it's all part of one large story that we only sort of glimpse from our finite human perspectives. How do we align our human, individual, differentiated story with the meta-story? This has been a huge part of my work for the past 20 years, studying and reading and perceiving and exploring the larger story of life on this planet, both before humans and then as we emerged as a presence on the planet, and then what our story has been for the past 200,000 years. And I really see us sort of riding this cresting wave of time where everything that has ever happened is before us. We're just perched sort of on this precipice where we can see all events that have led up to this moment, but we can't see where the wave is headed necessarily, but we can draw some conclusions. And so if we look back over the history of life on this planet, 
you've probably heard this on documentaries, you know, this planet is 4.6 billion years old. And if you plot all of the time that this planet has existed on a clock, um, and you, you condense those 4.6 billion years into 24 hours, how long have humans been on this planet? Using that analogy, humans would have emerged on the scene at 11.58, if now is midnight, and 24 hours ago was the dawn of the existence of Earth, we've existed for two minutes of that 24 hours. Our biological ancestors, mammals, would have just come onto the scene at 11.30 p.m. So for half an hour of this compressed Earth time, there have been mammals on the planet. That means for 23 and a half hours of this compressed Earth time, there were no mammals. Mammals didn't even exist on this planet. At 10 p.m. in this compressed day, plants appeared on the scene. So for 22 hours, <laughs> There weren't even plants on this planet. It was barren, ocean and land. In fact, all life on this planet existed in the water until that point, until about 10 p.m. in this compressed day. There was no life that we know of that existed on the land above the water. All life existed in the water. And so if you stretch your mind to hold this meta story that life could exist for about 3 billion years, all in the water here, nothing happening on land. And then all of a sudden, it feels like suddenly there's this explosion of diversity of life plant life and animal life and then later mammals and then later hominids and then later much much later humans and then in these cosmological two minutes or 200,000 years we've been able to terraform the earth to sort of suit our needs or our perceived needs in this blink of an eye it's pretty incredible to to align ourselves with this bigger story. It's very humbling, at least to me, it's very humbling to imagine that this earth existed for so long without the need of us, without even the dream of us. And then suddenly we emerged. Another big part of the meta story that I set my compass to, that I align myself with, is that there are truths that are encoded into life here. And we know they're truths because they echo throughout scales of time and perception and matter. And so if we look at the life cycle of a plant and we come into that life cycle in the winter and we encounter what appears to be barren soil, Everything 
is a wasteland. There's nothing to see in the winter, except maybe some dead stalks sticking up out of the ground, or perhaps an evergreen that still has some visible life to it. But everything appears very barren in the winter. When the days get longer and the sun becomes a bit more intense, there's a stirring that happens underground. Here in the Northern Hemisphere, we celebrate that stirring on February 1st, or what we call Imolk in the um, wheel of the year. The life that's invisible to our eyes begins to stir underground. This is very reminiscent to me of the life becoming present in the oceans of the earth. If the earth was a seed that appeared very barren and then life begins to stir under the water. And then around May Day, we start to see life in its profusion coming awake. Roots that appeared to be dead plants are suddenly sending up new shoots. What looked like dead branches are full of buds and young, vibrant green leaves and flowers. Life is diverse and present. There's a cacophony of birdsong. The rabbits are mating. Um, life is diverse and beautiful and vibrant. Very much like as we emerged out of the oceans and suddenly there was a huge diversity of plants and animals walking on the land. And then as summer wears on, we get to midsummer, there's this profusion of fruiting that starts to happen. And then the first harvest, and then the second harvest, the grains come in, we start to feel like we can be prepared for the winter that we know is coming. If you're in the northern or southern hemisphere, you know that there are these fluctuations in the seasons. And so in order to survive in these climates, we have to prepare for the winter. We have to bring in our crop, preserve our medicines, and be ready for the dark, cold time because the wheel turns again. And so I really feel like humans are this like flowering and fruiting out of this fertile earth. We are this juicy, hanging fruit that is part of the summertime of earth. And I believe, I feel like we are coming into the harvest. We have fruited incredibly well for the past several thousand years, especially since the dawn of agriculture 10,000 years ago. Our crop, you know, if humans were like plant, has become incredibly abundant on the earth. We've gone from just a few million people, maybe two, maybe six, we're not sure, just a few million people 10,000 years ago, all over the entire planet, to nearly eight billion people today, a number that grows exponentially every year. And if you take those numbers, let's say there were 2 million people 10,000 years ago. 
And every billion that we are now is a thousand times a million. So every billion is a thousand million people. And so we've gone from a crop of two million humans on the earth at the dawn of agriculture to a crop of 8,000 million people on the earth today. These numbers are sort of baffling to the human mind. It's really hard for us to, to make concrete, huge concepts like this. So some ways that we try to more deeply understand these large numbers are by making them more relatable. So the difference between a million and a billion in time, a million seconds is about 11 and a half days. A billion seconds is 32 years. This is the scope of the difference between a million and a billion. One million seconds is 11 and a half days. A billion seconds is 32 years. And so that, that difference in, in scale and scope applied to human population, um, we have just exploded in numbers in the past 10,000 years. It's really unfathomable how quickly our population has grown across the earth. And if we look at that growth as part of a meta story, as part of the story of this planet that existed for a really long time without any humans at all, and then all of a sudden we sort of popped out of the collective web of life and became this incredibly successful species on this planet, able to adapt to all climates, able to find nourishment in all landscapes. Um, it's just remarkable the amount of resilience and adaptability and cooperation that we've had with one another over these past 200,000 years. In addition to our technology and our cooperation and our resilience and adaptability, we also have some traits that continue to undermine us. And it's those traits, our aggressiveness, our insatiable hunger. <laughs> um, you know, I've talked about Wetiko previously on this podcast. If you missed that episode, you may want to read about Wetiko. I think the concept of Wetiko really captures our troublesome qualities really well. Um, but those sort of shadow attributes of being human that are part of this technology of having a a brain that can create meaning and can create story and can create technology and the free will that comes with that. Those shadow qualities that are part of what makes us human 
have in some ways given us an evolutionary advantage and an edge and in other ways have led us to create systems that are not in service to the fullness of life on this planet. And so if we go back to the life cycle of the plants, we've come to fall now. The fruit has dropped. The fruit is rotting on the forest floor and releasing its seeds into the earth where they will lie dormant through the barren winter and all hope can appear to be lost until spring stirring, until Imolk, until May Day, when we start to see those seeds begin to to show life again. Um, it seems to me that the human meta-story has come to the point of fruiting, and the fruit that we are is dropping now from the web of life. We have fallen to the ground. Um, And there's a lot of reckoning that needs to happen about how we've decided to live on this planet for the past 10,000 years. And so out of this reckoning, out of this deconstruction, out of this rotting and looking deeply at these shadow attributes that we have as we investigate the boarding schools for First Nations children, as we investigate the abuses inside of the Catholic Church, as we investigate the corruption in our governments and in big business, as we investigate the ways that we've destroyed the ecosystem, these are all parts of the deconstruction of the fruit of the human species. How have we come to express ourselves as a crop, as a, as a flower, as a fruit on this planet? And during this time of reckoning, things will look very barren. It will look very much like winter for the human species. And because this truth perpetuates that there are rising tides and falling tides, that the moon is full and then it is dark, that the sun is strong and then it is winter, that the human inhales and exhales, these ebbs and flows are truth. And we are in an ebb for what it means to be human on this planet right now. And so if we can set our compass to the meta story, the way things are here, we know that this deconstruction and this reckoning is absolutely in alignment with what it means to be alive on planet Earth. And we can set our compass to trust that there will be seeds that stir after this reckoning has had its way with us. And so I bring you this as a message of hope, even though, you know, it can feel like a time of really great despair, but this has been called the Kali Yuga, um, the time of great darkness. It has been written in the stars. Um, The Mayans talked about this. The Hopi talked about this time. The Hindu... um, cosmology talked about this time and in all of these prophecies about the Kali Yuga about the end of days about this great reckoning you know Christianity they talk about the time of revelation and the second coming there there's something after this time but that 
that something is not guaranteed. You know, not all seeds survive the winter. Not all plants are able to successfully reseed themselves through the winter. And so there has to be some work on our part to ensure that we continue to be adaptable and resilient and cooperative so that our species becomes perennial on this planet, that we weren't just a fleeting annual occurrence, but that we find our perennial wisdom. In the Christian mystical tradition, um, in a lot of the esoteric traditions, they talk about perennial philosophy, personified as Sophia. And I feel like that is the root of this plant that we have become, that the human species has become. What is the, the wisdom, the perennial philosophy that can guide our larger story so that we can be here as a beneficial species on the planet, so that we can contribute to the health and the vibrance and the beauty and the joy and the wonder of the planet Earth and not detract from it out of our shadow attributes, out of Watiko. This is the work of this time in my perception. As always, thank you for tuning in. Um, I'm wanting to talk in this series of episodes about practices, doorways that we can enter through to encounter what is unseen on the other side of our perception. And this practice of finding larger truths, um, finding patterns that repeat, is a practice that has been deeply transformational in my life. Watching nature for teachings and wisdom to help me understand the larger story of which we are all a part. May we all find our place in this story and may the seeds of the human species overwinter in a way that makes us robust and even more beautiful in our next flowering. Thank you for joining me for the Plant Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Schrader. I'm an herbalist, a mother, a holistic nurse, and a practitioner of the ancient ways. You can connect with me between episodes at therebelherbalist.com or on Instagram and Facebook, The Rebel Herbalist. Thank you for joining me, and it's time to come back to life.